Start in T minus ten seconds. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. We have ignition. of Unconstitutional Awakening. Tonight, me and Bannon are hosting this fellow right here. His name is Brad Olson, and he's an author, and he, he likes to talk to folks and such, and he is just an all-around, like, really interesting, awesome fellow, and I, I had to have him on here because, like, wow, like, he's just, he's mind-blowing. He, he seems to take the world of, you know, magic and mystery and conspiracy and reality and it's all mixed in one and like he talks about it in his books and everything else that he does and i just kind of want to turn it over to him brad could you could you tell the group about anything about yourself man well that is one of the quickest introductions i've ever heard and yeah happy to get to pick it up from there i was at a uh contact in the desert a few years ago as a speaker and i was out there with my books and Somebody picked up one of my esoteric books and he's kind of fingering through and he goes, he was a German guy with a thick German accent. He goes, oh, you are a big picture guy. And I go, yeah, yeah, I guess I am. I, I kind of look at all, all the subjects together and put them together in a, in a cohesive mosaic. Uh, people tell me it's, it's easy to understand the way I write about them and, and put together these very complex subjects and try to distill them down to the basic essence of what it is. Yeah, but uh, how I got to this point, if I can do the, the little bit long form yeah. bio, was uh, by traveling around the world. In fact, I started my writing career as a travel writer. And as of uh, three years ago, when I went down to Antarctica on a sailboat, I've now completed the uh, Seven Continent Club. So, uh, Travel has been a very big part of my life. It is certainly integrated into the books I write. And, of course, a lot of information has been gleaned from going to these locations. And then Beyond Esoteric, my latest offering, there's my Antarctica information, including the very mysterious black goo that we've heard about. And that was uh, taken from an island, <laughs> a virtually frozen island, uh, down near Antarctica called South Thule Island. If you guys want to get into the backstory about that and how the whole Falkland Wars was fought over that, uh, happy to go into that. But so I just love these great mysteries in the world. And as you guys know, there are just so many nuts to crack here uh, to open. And as I say on the back of the cover here, all that has been hidden 
will be revealed. And, and that's where the good stuff is. And in fact, that is the nature of the word esoteric. And it is information that is collected and known by a very select few. Sure. And you could say that really um, our history, uh, the machinations of government, to the money system, just about everything of importance is really an esoteric subject. So when you can break it down and kind of lift the hood and kind of tinker with the parts, you, you get to see how this thing is really working here. And that's why the uh, subtitle of the book is Escaping Prison Planet, because these, all these uh, subjects have been used to enslave the human race. And now that we know what we're up against, we at least have a fighting chance to try to break out of it. So that, that's really my uh, whole intention with uh, this esoteric line of books is just to give people a bigger perspective of what's going on. And that, and, and you know, that is, that is fantastic. That's absolutely why I like, you know, I want you over here because we're, we're big into, you know, showing different aspects of everything as best, as best to our power, you know, to, to, to share with people and let them understand things from different perspectives. I think, I think you learn a lot from talking to other people. And, and as, and as I was digging, you know, a little bit further into you, I, you know, I had seen that, you know, this isn't your first book, of course, like you're, you're, you're quite the, you know, as far as, you know, like author and, you know, speaker and such, you're, you're quite the decorated fellow there. Like you, you, you've made plenty of rounds and, and it, I, you know, of course I find that quite impressive. So I am curious though about a little bit more about the black goo. Cause I'm, I'm semi-familiar. I'm not too familiar with the war, though, that you were speaking of, actually. Can I? Oh, the Falk the Falklands War. That That's right. Between that was fought between uh, Britain and, um, not uh, 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 not Chile. Um, no, in fact, they're hated for was supporting it, wasn't the it a, Wasn't it? A, it was a South American country versus yeah. Britain, just for a bunch of tiny islands, the Falkland right, which, the Falkland Islands, which made no sense, right? Why right. would? Oh, Britain totally no sense. And it was Argentina. And so, yes, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can look on Wikipedia. And I, in fact, I, I have a presentation. I, it's called uh, The Hidden Anomalies of Antarctica. And I end with the black goo. And I got a map off of Wikipedia of the attack force of the Brits that split off into two parts. Well, geez, we never hear about that second part. What was that all about? Going down to even less inhabited islands. And of course, the Falkland Islands, which was the cover story, what they were fighting over, sure. has something like 100 sheep to one human on those islands. They're very sparsely populated. Birds. It's birds yeah. and like small animals. The black goo, there was an, uh, an ongoing thing on the X-Files show oh, yeah. about the black goo. Sure, we have that. pointed out, yeah, we have pointed out constantly the predictive programming that goes on on uh, like just the best thing to hide the best way to hide something is in plain sight, right? Uh, there it was in it was an alien, um, it was a form of alien DNA that was that that was the black goo, and it was found by our government. And then um, it was used in experiments on human beings to try and bring about uh, a, an alien species. Interesting. There's been numerous times where X-Files episodes have had truth. There's been truth to those episodes. Yep. Uh, 
Well, and you know, it's in a lot of movies too. Elysium yeah. and some of the superhero oh, movies. I think the latest one, uh, Venom, or starts sure. to be. Yeah, the uh, quite a few. So then it begs the question: Well, what is this stuff? It's All not right. just oil coming out of the ground. It has some form of sentience. So I quote David Icke in the book who says it is variously portrayed as an intelligent substance or quote alien DNA, like said bandit with the capacity to change shape and take over people and transform or absorb them. So they become its vehicles shifting black leather and PVC are also used to symbolize the goo virus in music videos stage shows as in Darth Vader in the Star Wars series. So it's, it, like you said, it, it's hidden in plain sight. They just put it out there in, in predictive programming yeah. so that uh, perhaps if it breaks out into the mainstream, in a way people will be like, oh yeah, well, we saw that in a movie 20 years ago. Yeah, but in speaking of movies, let's look at the John Carpenter's movie, The Thing. There you go. The, the alien virus that mimicked human beings or mimicked animals or mimicked anything. Uh, and it was thawed out of the Arctic ice. That's, that's very Wendigo-ish. Oh, I'm <laughs> telling you, man. I, that's, you know, you, you read these articles, these books written, um, you know, and every, everything that is like all science fiction movies all fantasy movies, there are bit there are bits of truth to it, because how else? I'm 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 convinced. Like how else would a screenwriter sit down and write something like this if they didn't already have something to go off of? I mean, that stuff coming like out of thin air, like just your imagination, is is that that's pretty far fetched. You know, there has to be something already written down for them to look at and go, I could write a movie about this. Yeah, good point. I'm yeah. up here in California, uh, closer to Silicon Valley, but I'm down in LA and Hollywood all the time. And I know a lot of actors and people in the business and as well as people in the tech field. And I'll tell you, nothing happens uh, without a reason, especially producing a Hollywood movie. You do not just walk into Paramount and say, hey, I got the next big script here. No, no, no. These things are vetted. Many times they come from the inside and they know exactly what they want to produce. So when they're putting the black goo into all these movies, TV shows, even music videos, there's a reason behind it. And they are slowly conditioning us to believe that, hey, maybe this is uh, just kind of cool, getting this alien DNA inside of you. Uh, I work with some of the super soldiers, and, and sometimes I'm a moderator on a panel at these conferences, and James Rank, who does Super Soldier Talk, really great guy and uh, incredible memory. He's saying that in uh, the, at least in the German secret space program called Nachtwaffen, that all of the high level officers are infected with the black goo. So it's a control mechanism. It's a way that if it does get into a person's body, that that it can take control over our free will is uh, one way to look at it. So back to how it got out and how it was discovered and what the Falkland Wars was really all about. So again, like I said, you can go to Wikipedia and you'll see that the attack force splits into two. The second force, of course, 
first force went to Falklands and did everything that we saw in the media and so forth. The second force went down to the South Shetland Islands, very sparsely populated. And they kept uh, going until they got to the southernmost island in that chain, and that's called South Tule Island. And it's just not too far off the Palmer Peninsula where I visited. It's perpetually frozen. And that's a big tell, just like you said in, in the movie The Thing, that if this thing is frozen, it stays in, in a form that cannot uh, harm us. But remember in the movie that there was th this base, uh, I think it was the Norwegians, that uh, it, it got out and that they were trying to shoot this uh, wolf. And the wolf ran into the American camp. And the guys, uh, hey, what are you trying to kill that dog for? And they killed the Norwegians, right? Well, it was the dog that then became the thing and infected all of them. Similarities with what happened in South Tule Island. Because in 1982, during the Falkland Wars, they had an entire operation called Operation Keyhole, which was to go down to South Tule Island, which was the actual end of the Falkland Wars. In fact, the surrender papers were signed on the British ship parked offshore where there was this little research station run by the Argentinians. It was called Corbett Uruguay. And they were, they were unarmed. They had no way to even fight back. The white flag went up. The Falkland Wars ended right then and there on South Tule Island. The Brits were going down there to get the black goo, and they got it because they destroyed the base right after that. They took it back up to London, and they wanted to backward engineer it to use it for their super soldier program, and it got out. They used this uh, high-tech laboratory called Marconi Laboratories, and all the scientists started dying under very mysterious causes, just like in the movie The Thing. One by one, it started knocking them off, and then it got out, and now it is wreaking havoc in humanity. And when did I, you say this treaty was signed? When did you say this operation took place? During the Falkland Wars. What year, though? 82. That is the exact same year the movie The Thing came out. <laughs> there we go. There are no coincidences, Bandit. I'm telling you, there man. There are none. Jimmy says that All absolutely <laughs> constantly. There are no coincidences. I, and I truly believe that. Like, I truly, I have seen enough that I would, I 100% believe that, that there are no coincidences. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I mean, and then, wow. and then, you know, you go as far right here as to, <laughs> You know, pointing out that, you know, it's this is stuff that you can actually just look up. And, you know, I do encourage people to go out there and, and check this stuff out because, I mean, this is available information where you can see where, you know, they did split off and, you know, th there's other things going on and stuff like that. So, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't just jump out here and straight, you know, deny it and stuff, folks. So, so I've got to ask, you said you, you have made the seven continent, uh, you know, the seven continent making it to all of them now. So what, how was Antarctica like from your perspective? Well, guys, it, it's like taking a journey off planet. It's about the closest you can get to feeling like you're in another world is sure. going down there. Because for one, it's just an entirely frozen continent. It's covered with over 99% in snow and ice and glaciers that come right to the ocean that are constantly calving and breaking off chunks and uh, it, it's very ha harsh climate down there, 
So right now it is the start of uh, the fall and uh, the continent has virtually been abandoned apart from the skeleton crew that stays on at some of the year round permanent bases. So right now the fifth largest continent on the planet has 1000 people living on it. So that's how uh, sparse it is. So my impression was not only are you down there and there is nobody around. So if we had problems with the ship or somebody went overboard or got uh, stuck on, on an island or something yeah. out there, man, you, your, your life is in danger. Absolutely yeah, for there, sure. There's nothing else around. So far, yeah, you've got a couple minutes. Even before uh, our sailboat could tack back around and someone up out of the water, right. probably be dead of hypothermia. Ooh. So it, the whole trip was really rife with danger from the get-go. Uh, but nobody got hurt. Well, one guy got hurt, actually. We got hit by a wave, and uh, he slammed into a console and had a big gash on his leg. And, and uh, we have to wear these uh, vests with a lifeline to it. Sure. Another guy who was up there, we, we got hit by a storm on the way down. Uh, he actually would have gone overboard had it not been for his lifeline, kept him on board. So there were some difficulties in this trip. Uh, but in the end, we all ended up uh, really good friends with each other. It was it was 11 poles, and the boat was uh, based out of Gdansk, Poland, called the Chief One. And we were the maiden voyage with a new captain and a co-captain that never been down there before. And that's kind of why we got into a little trouble chasing a storm, trying to make good time to get uh, down there. We made it a very good time. It took 92 hours to go from Ushuaia, Argentina, uh, out the Beagle Channel, and that was smooth sailing and dolphins swimming by, and we started seeing penguins can also jump out of the water just like dolphins. They're quite uh, spectacular animals to see. And those were down in uh, Antarctica. The animals had no fear of humans whatsoever. You could just go right up to uh, a mother baby chick right up with your iPhone camera, and she's kind of like, hey, man, you're blocking my view. Get out of the way instead of hissing at you and trying to protect your young. We even had some whales that went under our boat, and you see the seals just sitting there on the iceberg. When we go by, they're looking at us like we're looking at them. It's just, it's just so uh, incredible to be in such an environment like that and think, boy, there's 9 billion people on this planet, and uh, just barely a fraction of 1% are ever going to be down here and see this. So sure. it's really a very mysterious place in that regard because it is so inaccessible to most people and, and, and so i guess i gotta ask them you know since you've been to all the rest of, rest of them i mean obviously you like antarctica but what's your favorite like what's your favorite well you've ever landed on like i gotta I'm, oh gosh uh you know they're all interesting in some ways just before that trip well of course you have to go through south america to get there at least yeah. the route i was taking i went to all the uh megalithic sites in South America and Peru and Bolivia. And that, that's mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, and then I do a presentation at conferences about that too. Uh, the mystery of the megaliths and uh, giant elongated skulls were found at most of the sites. I had the great opportunity of going down there with Brian Forrester and uh, Sim Harriman and wow. especially Brian Forrester has done many books, including about the elongated skulls. And he actually yeah. lives in Peru he lives in Paracas where they have a museum where they use giant. Okay. The, the skulls literally come out this far. Wow. Okay. So you, you can wrap heads. Feet. You can, 
Well, you can do cranial deformation and shape the heads. The Native Americans, some tribes used to do that here. Sure. But what you cannot do is add 30 to 35% larger cranial capacity by doing that cranial deformations. You just sure. can't do it. You can't yeah. add mass, right? You can take what you got and move it around, but you can't add a 35% larger brain. How do you do that? You can't. You can't. So, but then and there's also, other. <clears throat> and there's just and a lot the, of, the Brazilian rainforest, um, due to deforestation, all of these huge structures are being exposed of like mega cities, like right. huge mega cities in the Brazilian rainforest in South America are now being exposed just recently in the last few years due to deforestation. Things yep. that have never been seen before. Um, and they're thinking it goes along right around with the, uh, the, the same size as like the Aztecs, like uh, cities with like five to 600,000 people living in a mega city in the middle of the Brazilian rainforest. You know, it's, it's wild down there in South America yeah. because of so, because so much is uncovered and I'm sure what would really interest me about Antarctica would be not the ice, but what could possibly be beneath the ice. Beneath that is, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. And now let me just drop a couple factoids on that. Antarctica is the most volcanic continent on earth. 91 known volcanoes, including <clears throat> some that we visited and that uh, even had hot springs had the tide not been going out, uh, we could have stripped down naked and laid down in a hot spring in Antarctica. Wow. It would have been plenty warm. So uh, can you consider with the polar plateau that covers most of the Antarctica continent is over two miles thick, that with this volcanic activity and geothermal heating, you have the propensity of creating great domes underneath the ice, which would be sheltered from the fierce storms above. In fact, it said it's about t-shirt weather down there, that you could exist living in, in these geothermal heated uh, domed cities under the ice quite comfortably. And it's also a, uh, an energy source and a warm water source. And uh, that if you wanted to hide anywhere on the planet, you guys, I would say under the ice in Antarctica and the deepest depths of the ocean would be the best way to. I mean, I mean, be, I mean, we, you know, you've got you, you, you've, you've got some of history's mysteries where you've got like, you know, you know, the Nazis and stuff vanishing to South America, Antarctica type deals too. So, you know, that brings up the question, what, you know, what were they looking for down there? Did they know about that kind of stuff? Possibly even operation high jump. There. Yeah, operation high jump automatically comes to mind. Yep. Like, like automatically. There's, there's just, there's so much, you know, going on there. Like Antarctica is fascinating because you're right. Very few people will ever set foot on that. And, and, you know, that's, 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 that's aspiring to see. And, you know, stuff like that, you know, looking into your, your history, seeing that, you know, you started as, as doing cartoons and stuff when you were still yeah. in, still in school. And, you know, you know, here, here you are today. I've, to me, you're one of the most interesting men, men in the world because you've seen so much. So I'm sure you, you have stories for for days, obviously. And I mean, what? I guess I guess what was probably your most what's what's your most unbelievable thing, like 
things that you talk about, you know, as far as like somebody's just like, nah, because I'm the guy that might believe you. Like, I'm just telling well, you right now. <laughs> I, I saw some of these elongated skulls in, in museums in Peru. Yeah. To a lot of people, that's very unbelievable. Yeah. I, oh. uh, on my first backpacking trip around the world, and all my trips are self financed. I'm not like some Trustafarian kid that just gets a lot of money and, hey, I'm going to go to Antarctica. No, I pay for it myself. And therefore, it takes on a different dimension when, when you're bankrolling your own trip, right? You really uh, value it for what it's worth. Um, so my first backpacking trip around the world, I climbed to the top of the Great Pyramid. That's another one of my accolades. And of course, that's not allowed. <laughs> but I got out. I didn't get caught, which was amazing. Absolutely, yeah. And had had a very uh, transcendental experience up there too. By the way, it was it was quite, quite amazing. Like, I mean, so I, that I, was like an interpersonal type thing. But um, you know, the temples around Angkor Wat in Cambodia are absolutely mind blowing. There are still some that are being enveloped by the jungle, where these giant banyan trees are just growing right over the temples and stuff. So oh, that was what really felt like Indiana Jones and going down there to some of these more remote temples and they're just spread out all across Northwestern Cambodia and getting well deep into the fabric of the neighboring country Laos and seeing the Buddhist monks who wake up every morning without any food. They're very poor there. And the monks come out with just a, a bowl, just a wooden bowl. And they walk through the streets with their heads down and whatever people put in their bowl is all the food that they're going to eat that day. And all they do is pray and meditate and chant. And it's like, wow, people really live that way. Yeah. So it was those human experiences, too, that were equally changing my, my entire outlook on life. Just really understanding that the way people live outside of America is so different than we are. We just kind of get accustomed to our familiarity here. But boy, uh, you, you take a look on the other side and it's quite different. I highly recommend it. In fact, my very first book is called World Stompers, a global travel manifesto. It's in print. And that was a how-to book for people who wanted to uh, strike out and do a trip on their own. Sure. And I mean, and, and, and so... And so, of course, you know, throughout these years, you, that's that's what's brought you to learn all of this stuff, obviously, these experience, experiences and, you know, you know, looking for this kind of stuff. This is why you've got all this esoteric type, you know, knowledge and, and such under your belt here. And so and and as you said earlier in the thing, you know, it's something that very few know or that they allow very few to know, I guess, in, in, in the real world. And so, like, in reality, you know, you you being a patriot yourself, I guess you understand the same that I do, that the people kind of in charge and power know about all this kind of stuff too, you know, and that's, that's of course what's led to this world of conspiracy that I, you know, that we are all a part of, I guess, because like there's obviously forces out there using this same knowledge, but against us in a sense. Well, they use it. They keep it to themselves because that's what allows them to stay in control sure you know i mean and i'm not talking about our i'm not talking about our government because they they i highly doubt those those puppets have access sure, not, to sure. the stuff we're talking sure. about not we're our, talking about not our like puppets. we're talking about the real people in power yes of 
course they're going to keep things like that to themselves because why would they want to let like just like the peasants have stuff like that yeah uh, yeah well you know the, the difference between the truth and conspiracy theory about six, six weeks <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's getting quicker now man it's, yeah. it's going it's down. getting real quick now like, man like as of as of recently i've been reading this was a this was a question i had brought up in our in our group chat with this website was was who here was taught that crude oil came from fossil fuels you know dinosaur bones and i and, and, and the group, I chat, the group I chat was all like well me yeah and i was like well look it up because apparently we were all duped because now they're telling us it comes from plankton from inside the sea and i'm like what when did this happen like when you know when did these updates you know start coming out and this, that was actually a conspiracy theory i had read on like hollow earth type stuff years ago and and so it intrigued me that it was something very similar coming out you know about the same thing and i was just like interesting because that's what the mainstream media is peddling now i mean i i truly believe we've made some dimension shifts with a bunch of weird stuff that's been going on through the past 10 or so years but that's that's a whole you know other can of worms in my reality so yeah but yeah i mean yeah i just i guess i'm not trying to take the whole thing there i i don't know you, I, you of course you've got a you've got a ton of websites here and actually that was something i had noticed like a ton of different websites you're connected back to i guess between the brad olson and the ccc publishing and the stompers.com and such i actually had to uh to share with everybody the students, you know, of course, you could be able to find him and the folks out here watching, you can go and take a look at his, oh, where'd it go? <laughs> My apologies. I was looking for screen to share where you can find Brad at. I've got, oh, man, I'm having some issues here. Where are you guys uh, based out of? There we are. Can we see that now? Yep, I can see it. Awesome. This is and this is your main this is your main website here, the Brad, the Brad Olson website. Um, yeah. You know, and I found I found a lot of cool stuff on here as far as you know, getting back to your other websites and about your books and your biography and such and like that that interested me in itself, especially this how weird street fair over here in San Francisco like that that. I'm curious about that. Like, I don't, I, I've, I've actually not done California. I've been all over the inner 48 except California just because they, it's just never been, I don't know, my calling to go there. I've, I've been in Arizona and New Mexico and such and up above it and whatnot. But I've seen this and I was like, this might be something actually worth traveling to. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's fun. We uh, fell on hard times after COVID, though. The city came down and canceled us in 2020. Oh. Just a few weeks before the event, that was uh, that really took a lot of the air out of our sails. And then we did do another one last year, but a different time of year, and yeah. people were still really paranoid. It's it's a very blue city, and they really take the mask mandates. And well, I'm believe I'm down, all that. <laughs> see, I'm down over here in Georgia. You would ask where I am. Oh yeah, I'm over here down in the southeast. Um, like I'm lower. in Kentucky. Lower oh, nice. Georgia, and it's it's even though they claim it was a blue state now, it's it's still a it's still a red state for sure as far as like you know the general population. I live out here in the woods, like, and everybody you run across is 
I mean, we're doing it ourselves. You know, when the world went kind of crappy, we all made sure our chickens and goats and stuff were intact so that we could help each other out just in case, you know, it all went out. And, and yeah. I, we've, we've had a lot of people flee from California. Our Atlanta has become very California. It's, oh, yeah. We well, avoided, for the very first like, time in California's history, we're losing population. Never happened. People always came and came and stayed and came and came. Now we're getting out. I have plans to get out myself. I love this place. It's gorgeous. I mean, it's Mediterranean climate. It's like Southern Europe or uh, South Australia or Chile and Argentina. These are all the Mediterranean climates around the world. There are five and the other South Africa. So it's just, I mean, you can grow anything here because it's sunny all the time and it's, it's pretty dry air. So there's no mosquitoes and other things with warm weather and humidity yeah. that you don't Yeah. Oh, yeah. We ocean's beautiful and ski season is final weekend up in uh this weekend so i mean you can, you can do just about anything you'd like to do if you're an outdoors type person and, and and i'm sure i guess now you now that they've uh done things like lifted mask mandates on planes and such you'll be uh you'll be traveling around a bit more and trying to get yeah yeah going but, again and a bunch of uh conferences in fact one in october in florida i'll be flying to another in september in boulder so and are you going to be at that desert thing that was going on? I hear Josh talking a lot about on the Red Pill Project. Contact in the desert has yeah. been another year they called it off. Okay. All right. And I met one in Sedona next month called Contact 2022. <laughs> and that's kind of, that's in the desert. And, and so I guess, you know, like, I, since you also understand like project Bluebeam is something that's like a yeah. reality. Um, like, do you, do you still think there is, you know, contact out there? Like, you know, other, other life species out there? Or do you think that's something that they're just going to use as another way to cull people? Oh, there definitely is intelligent life out there and they're very interested in what's going on here on earth. Because sure. ever since we started detonating nuclear bombs, in the 1940s, you can think of our reality. We, we are existing in very dense third dimensional reality. Well, science has shown there's 13 dimensions right here, right in between us sure. with what we are. So when these nuclear bombs started going off, it was having repercussions to other levels of existence that we're not even aware of, or at least not the people that in the general public. I'm sure the occultists are very well aware. And this is the whole interceding and even Satanism and Luciferianism. They're, they are consorting with other entities who are really interdimensional or as we call ultra terrestrials that can come in and out of our reality. Mm -hmm. They had a very hard time holding on to any of the captured ETs with the, uh, down UFOs, even Roswell had a living ET that was brought in and they were trying to figure out how they eat and yeah. to communicate with them to certain levels, degrees of success. But when they wanted to leave, they could just phase through the wall and just walk away. It wasn't until they put one in a Faraday cage, which is an electromagnetic shield yeah. that they could keep them contained. So we're, we're, we're so uh, short-sighted when it comes to understanding 
what's going on with other, other extraterrestrials. And this is the whole study called exopolitics. And that is, what is the politics between humans and uh, interceding with other intelligences? And I maintain that there are many races that are right here on this planet that are inner-terrestrials. Sure. And I heard you guys bring up uh, inner Earth. And in, in a way, I was talking about it with those domes under the ice in <laughs> Antarctica. Yeah. yeah. Think about it. That's inner Earth. Okay? That is below the surface, sometimes by over a mile deep. Well, so that, that points out, you know, sorry to interrupt, but that points out a lot of things with, like, UFOs always vanishing into the ocean. Like, that's a, there you go. That's a, that's a thing. So, you know. You know, how we've always been taught – Oh, look to the skies. The extraterrestrials are going to come down from up there. Well, what if they're already here below our feet? And what if they have the ability to phase in and out of our reality? So we don't even know who or what they are really. So we've been really disadvantaged. And then when you put in uh, the high technology that they employ, just in, you can look at their craft alone and know what I'm talking about, how they have the ability, once again, to shift interdimensionally to utilize wormholes to come and go pretty much at will from this planet that there is a huge body of work that can be uh, written about in fact my second book in the series this uh future esoteric that has a lot of the the extraterrestrial exopolitics and uh schematics about ufos and how the backward engineering worked and what has been gleaned from it. And look, all the way up to uh, the 1980s, there was a guy who worked at the Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. His name was Ben Rich. And on his deathbed in the late 1980s, okay, so this is <clears throat> almost 40 years ago, he's saying, we already have the technology to take ET home. Whatever you can imagine, we have exceeded it. Because by the 80s, they had already cracked into a lot of the backward engineering, the power source. In fact, that's how Bob Lazar was brought in. They were trying to crack into the basketball size uh, generate power generator on one of these crafts, and it created a, a, a small nuclear explosion at the base and killed all the scientists. And so uh, Edward Teller, the father of the H-bomb, was actually the guy who brought in Bob Lazar to uh, fill in some of these roles of scientist backward engineering technology. So, I mean, the, the story and, and, and the evidence is quite uh, expansive going through the decades, how much we have learned from this intercession with uh, the technology and some of their uh, stuff that we backward engineered. And I thought, I, you know, to a point, it's actually terrifying at the same time. Oh, it is. Because if you think about it, there was a, uh, it, this brings up like a, the dark forest theory um, that alien the, the, the aliens are here. They're on earth. Yes. They're, they're buying their time. They're waiting just in the shadows for the right moment to make themselves known. Yep. Because if the public, like if, if, the, if the public knew, like hardcore evidence, like aliens announce themselves tomorrow on national news, like we're here, we came from, you know, trillions of light years away. That would note that 
the existence of free energy. Right. The ability for those spacecrafts to travel, the, the energy required for those space tra- those spacecrafts to travel that distance, you know, and the public would be like, well, why haven't you given it to us? Why yeah. haven't you shared it with us? Yeah. And that would cause problems that politics uh, politicians don't want to deal with right now. You know, they know that th- that tech is here on Earth. Sure. They're just keeping it to themselves. Sure, I've, because I'm, they don't I'm want the public believer. to have it. Because money is there's money yeah. to be made from yeah. us. And I'm I'm a, I'm a big believer in you know all the technology that we have today. They had 50 plus years ago already in their hands. You know, especially when you when you look at what today's data is compared to where 50 years ago is today. And like, and you know, and it's still like that today. They're they're toying with and already have technology that they're trying to advance that would probably look at the SR71 Blackbird. That would blow your mind, you know, if you were, you know, if you didn't didn't understand what you were looking at, you'd think it was a spaceship. You know what I'm saying? Like that. They had that in the, the SR-71. They had that in the late 60s. Right. Look and, at that. And they've and, got, you've you got know, China messing around with laser guns right now that can sear your flesh off when, you know, when fires. Like that's, that's, you know, like that's something out of Star Wars. But I mean, it's still, these are, these are reality things that are, that are, that they're making, you know, like sound weapons and stuff like that. And. You, you wonder where they get this technology from and you know clearly clearly it's been given to them or you know re- reverse engineered i've i've always bought the the theory that a lot of these alien races are working with different governments you know different alien races are working with different governments to do things like building dumbs down you know down below the united states and such and and i mean you know it the extra, the whole interdimensional extraterrestrial thing, like Alex Jones would be going off on. Like I, I'm totally on that wagon. Like I, I, I believe there's a close tie-in to spirituality and the occult and and things like that. Like these interdimensional beings and such. Like that that you know people see when they go on trips and such like that. Like it's it's there, there's a reality. It's been noted through history. It's been it's been written down and drawn throughout history of. Uh, beings from the sky visiting us. It yeah. has. It's 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 noted in history thousands of years ago. It, it shows. It, I mean, still to this day. I mean, there are drawings on the inside of the pyramids, but there are no drawings or descriptions of how they built the pyramids, and none. Right. Good no? point. Absolutely. Yep. They've been well, here. They are here. It's just they haven't made themselves public yet. I don't think. You know and. I think that's actually more terrifying than like if they were to announce themselves, you know, to, to know that they, you, you know, your next door neighbor, you know, could be one, you know, and you just don't know. You just honestly don't know because if you look at like what, what, how they've described some of these interdimensional beings, they look human. They fair skin, blue eyes, blonde hair, exceptionally tall, you know, which, which, which makes you wonder about some of these theories, you know, about, about these, about these different alien races and about like giants and about, you know, just, just like these, these, these master races, because you can actually find these people. And it makes me wonder about like humanity in general, because, you know, maybe, maybe at some point in time, these races were more prominent on the face side of earth. And that could, that could explain things like all, a lot of the different, traits that even you know modern humans have being so so different in so many simple ways that 
that you know where where did that actually come from like like the blonde hair blue eye thing like that's that's you know they they try to say that the blue eyes can be traced back to like one two people or whatever you go back in history but that just to me that just seems like one of those simple explanations to deter people off from digging into it like what if what if one of these races of aliens and and humans started getting it on and such you know like the whole the whole well the whole angels and you know like angels and humans having inter, you know having sex in like the bible and stuff that they talked about and creating giants like it's it it could be different ways of telling that kind of stuff like it, it, it seems plausible in a sense i don't know i don't know i like i like all this kind of kind of stuff and you know and seeing that you were on like ancient aliens and stuff like that even like that i think yeah i think that's just amazing because you know you're into that kind of stuff too of course yeah, well, they made a whole cottage industry. I think they're into uh, season 14 or 15 now of, of 13 or 15 episodes per season. Wow. Just think of the amount of content that just ancient aliens has yeah. brought forth with all this. And, sure. you know, I was talking earlier about the elongated skulls. Well, yeah. bigger head, bigger bodies. There's your giants. Yeah. And it's right there in the fossil record. It's in museums in South America. It cannot be denied. Do you, do, you, do you think the Smithsonian destroys things like the, you know, that's theorized? Like any of the evidence of stuff like that found in America? Do you think the Smithsonian actually destroyed it? Oh, yeah. That's called Smithsonian Gate, where they would go around to these dig sites and kind of like the FBI flash their badge. And say, All right, we're taking over here. We're in charge. And then everything would disappear. In Beyond Esoteric, I have a chapter called... Uh, suppressed human origins and i profile this dig up in wisconsin at lake delavan and it's very close to where i grew up just uh, over the border in illinois yeah. we used to go to lake geneva and devil's lake and uh, elkhorn all around there it's great beautiful glacier carved lakes in southern wisconsin well, turns out we're not the only ones that thought it was pretty there because these giants were also co-inhabiting so about 100 years ago, Beloit College, which is a nearby town in southern Wisconsin, sent out their professional archaeologists, and they're doing everything by the book. And Smithsonian shows up and says, yeah, we're going to take your bones and we'll analyze them. He said, well, you know, we want to find out <coughs> who these beings were. And, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let you know. And when the archaeologists inquired, Smithsonian says, we don't know what you're talking about, sir. Click. So, and th this is just one of many, but this was a very professional uh, archaeological dig, yeah. doing everything by the book. Uh, as soon as they started telling the news media, first started in a local newspaper, but even New York Times reported on it. It was a very publicized event, and that's what I think triggered the alarm bell with Smithsonian. We can't let this uh, get out there. So a lot of the mound sites throughout the Midwest, even where you guys are in Georgia and Kentucky, yeah. is the Mississippian mound culture. And one of my books is called Sacred Places North America. And I went to a lot of these sites, including this mound site in uh, Oklahoma called Spiru Mounds, where they found a giant in armor, a skeleton in armor. And they just dismiss it. I actually got a chance to interview the uh, head archaeologist. And, uh, oh, it's, it's not what it seemed. And, yeah, it was some guy wearing some copper plates. But that doesn't correspond with the way it was reported back in the day, which right. is 
almost certainly the way it really was. And it was a skeleton in armor, a giant, no less. So they have been found in, in South America, Central America, North America, uh, in Europe. Some of those uh, elongated skulls have been found around the Black Sea in uh, Central Asia and Asia Minor. And so, and so you said I mean, a this is a worldwide phenomenon. You keep, you keep bringing back up that museum down there. You know, I, I, I do appreciate the hero hearing about that because, you know, you don't you wouldn't see that in a museum here. You know what I'm saying? Unless it no. was something else. So, no. you know, the fact that they have that on display down there means that they recognize that that history, of course, there that that that's something that's actually, you know, reality to them around in that area. I had, um, it, 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 I guess any, any more good information you could tell me about those skulls? Like, I'm truly curious about them. Didn't you do a TikTok on the uh, – there was a skull that you did a TikTok on, Jimmy. Um, the, I'm trying oh, to the, the, uh, I know which ones you're talking about. They weren't the elongated ones, but no. they, were the, they were the ones that had the – that they couldn't find any trace of where they actually like came from. And they were shaped funny as well too. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've covered the giants a few times as well too, because there's, there is definitely stories of giants from all over the world, whether it be. Oh, for real though. Whether it be the redheaded giants that you hear about in America or even down to Bigfoot, like Bigfoot. Let's think about the most recent encounter with a giant that they, that's the. There they are. Yeah. Right there. Let's yes. talk about That's the skull right there on the right, actually, the one that I was talking about, yeah. the, the yeah. Star Child skull. Yeah. Yep. Let's talk about the most recent encounter with what they have, what they sort of confirmed as like an actual living giant, where the the special operations unit ran into one in Afghanistan. That's right. They can- cover it in that chapter. Yeah. Exactly, man. It was a uh, twelve. Uh, it was a 12 man or an 18 man team actually like ran into one in a cave. Yeah. And uh, they, I don't think they captured it alive. I think they eventually I took it down. It yeah. And uh, once they radio, as soon as they radioed it in, cause that's what, that was not the reason they were there. No. And once this, they came into contact with it and radioed it, once that radio call went out, um, not too much longer, like blackbirds and with guys in black uniforms showed up and took everything, everything away. Nothing. Which seems to be the, the, the MO, though. You go out throughout history, the men in black constantly show up and shut yep. it down. And, yeah. and yeah, seeing the Star Child Skull, actually, I did a whole episode of Makes You Think a few weeks back about the Star Child Skull because, like, that that was super fascinating to me because it, it's, it, it's a real thing that really can't be denied, and they're just trying to bury it with, with nonsense that doesn't even really counteract anything that's, that's proven. Like, it's just people trying to deflect, I think. And here we are with the new administration that just announced that they have created... I'm going from George Orwell's 1984, the Ministry of Truth. Oh, my Lord. Under the Department of Homeland Security, they have created a board to combat disinformation. They have a disinformation czar. They are going to be combating disinformation on the internet, uh, internet, like social media, on all social media. And they want to say it's because of Elon Musk buying Twitter and the amount of disinformation put out by russia 
But this all comes into play. What we're talking about, everything. They are going to attempt to rewrite history and wipe all of this stuff out. And, and I think you know? they've been trying to do it for years, and now they're and like on the verge of trying to do successful. it on a global. Yeah, they've been very unsuccessful as far as doing it on a global level, but that's what they're going after now with like yep. this World Economic Great Reset type stuff, and like that's, yep. it really they're is going- some <clears throat> evil occult stuff again. Like mm-hmm. people, people think that it makes me sound crazy when I'm talking about it. And I don't care though. It's just like there really is an, an evil occult, you know, group pulling the strings on this planet using these using this knowledge for their own personal gain and like leaving us to squalor in the mess you know squalor in the mess in the bottom like it's 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 outrageous but the truth won't be silenced as long as there are people like us yes yeah it won't be i i'm we won't be quiet because i mean it's can't kill an idea you cannot and it's i mean it's the truth once it's on the internet it is going to be there forever regardless of what you know the the information the the disinformations are the ministry of truth the ministry of truth man i hate to say it but man george orwell was right he was he he saw the future but you, you can't you can't silence this stuff i mean and there are so many more people out there like us that just refuse to sit back idly and just be like this people gotta know about this yeah i mean you, I mean, you have taken it a step further than us. You have sure. written like legitimate, legitimately published books on this stuff. Yes, um, that was fascinating. Yeah. Which is why, of course, you know, I reached out to you because that's what we're that's what we're trying to do. You know, out here is give people this different perspective and you know wake people up to the reality of this crazy, weird science fiction world that we really live in. Like it, it. Reality is stranger than fiction is something I say all the time too. And it, and it really is because like just so much of this stuff, when I was a kid, you would have told me I was just a crazy kid imagining things. And now I'm an adult and I'm so glad to actually see people waking up and so glad to get the opportunity to talk to people like you that, you know, understand this kind of stuff too. And, and it, I think it's important to share this information as much as possible in any way, shape or form. And like he said, once you put it on the internet, it's there forever, whether somebody wants it or not. And that was kind of my goal one way or the other. You're going to hear this voice and see this mug talking about something <laughs> for the rest of eternity. So, cause it'll be there for people to find. And, and that's, and I think that's the key to everything is sharing information. There's, some people can't share experiences so we can share information by talking about experiences and talking about all of this crazy stuff together here on, you know, this show, or you can write it like you did in your books, which I do recommend people out there to go, you know, check out his books. I will, there will be links, of course, you know, as usual, there'll be links in all of the stuff that we share on all of the websites and all of those streaming apps that you can find us on. So you can find out, you know, more about Brad and get his books and, you know, just, just learn about the stuff he's talking about, because this is, he has found a way to put the things that I'm talking about all over the place into like one spot and make it make sense. And you guys are always asking me how to make Jimmy's crazy sound not crazy. This man does a good job of it. (laughs) We would love to have you on again. For real though. Absolutely. We guys, you're great. And I really, no, no, like I, we could do, I mean, like a, an absolute, like a, a, uh, touch on a specific topic. Yeah. 
Yeah, you so know. being all over. Like, I mean, that's, it, but, you know, when we, we do look forward to having you again. And I, I, is there anything else you'd like to add for, for the folks out there to find you and stuff? Oh, yeah. Well, you, you brought up my uh, website, bradolson.com, just as it's spelled there. Uh, one word, bradolson.com. And then uh, CCC Publishing is my uh, book publishing company. And <clears throat> Esoteric Series is another site that's devoted to it. So if you get a book off of uh, CCC Publishing, if it's one of mine, then I can sign copies. They go through my office here and <clears throat> happy to do that for people. But uh, I'm widely distributed through a really great distributor who's like you guys that believes in free speech and stands up for these controversial subjects. And look, it's, it's in our rights. It's in... <laughs> The First Amendment is about freedom of speech, and we have a right to that. And we don't always have to agree with what people are saying, but I'll tell you what, I'll defend their right to say it, Absolutely. even if I don't agree with it. Absolutely. So, they, uh, really, freedom of speech includes things that. that you don't like. Exactly. So hats off to you guys for being persistent because we've all known or had a uh, – our own videos deplatformed or I've been censored many times on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but you know so what? We always find a workaround. Then right. uh, a rumble or a bit shoot comes around and we, and we put our videos there. So yeah. uh, is, they're trying to play whack-a-mole with us, but we just keep popping up in other places and that's, that's right. where it can go. That's right. You know, and, we're, and I have no, you're in the right group for censorship. Oh so. <laughs> well, yeah. We've all, we've all had yeah, our fair share of censorship. Like yep. we, were getting we were getting banned before it was cool. So, yep. you know, it's, it's, it's something we're used to. And that's, that's actually what led to this website bigly was I was sick of it. I was like, no, we're going to fart. We're going to do our own thing. And they can't censor me on my own website unless they delete the website. So good luck. Yeah. yeah. So, well, but again, I thank you for coming on this evening. And, you know, of course, everybody, y'all y'all have a great, great night. And this has been another great episode of Unconstitutional Awakening. And we'll talk to y'all next time. <laughs>